0: Yeah, so so I thought I would do that. And so I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of things. And so please feel free to tell me the things um, that you're having the most trouble with or maybe some of your friends are having the most trouble with if you don't want to admit to it. I'm having this problem. My friend's having this problem, right, the way we do that. <laughs> um, and so... So I, I'm particularly going to be looking to get some of that feedback. So I'm I'm up for talking about just about anything. I've had had all the questions that you can ask and more. That's kind of like one of the ways I'm wired. I'm very questioning kind of person, and and even yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of church contexts in which that's considered like a lack of faith, rather than like I I actually believe that that's the matrix in which you can find faith. I, don't, I think that faith without doubt is something other than faith. Faith is something that you have when you have doubts. Um, but that's, that's already itself, like, not the way a lot of folks talk. But, um, yeah, so, so in that mix, I thought today I would talk about uh, creation, because this is, this, is a, this is a notion of um, Christianity, that there's teachings about God creating everything and then there's then there 's some pretty specific views in that that a lot of Christians think that you have to hold to call yourself a christian and then there 's a lot of folks who have a lot of trouble with those um, those doctrines and think that well, if you have to believe that to be a christian i can 't be one and so of course, this is any idea that um, that that the notion that God created everything which I actually believe. Um, means that you have to believe that the Genesis account is literally the way it happened. That the account in Genesis is history, that God created the world in six literal days about 6,000 years ago, give or take a few years, that this is literally history. And that we are, we're we're going to like hold on to this tight and exclude anybody who doesn't believe this, unlike those godless liberals who believe in evolution that we came from Monkeys or some such thing, and I didn't come from that. They can come from like there's this conversation that happens like this, and it's pretty gross. I don't. uh, It's and it's so tiring. So, I mean, you can. But this is but this is something that like sincere people believe, and I'm not actually saying that the people who hold these beliefs. Uh, are are dumb or insincere or acting in bad faith on in in either camp because I think that I think that this is one of these things where the things that people think that they're talking about aren't actually what they're talking about so that's what I want to talk about a bit today because um, like and, and i'll i mean I'll say that i i don't believe that God created the world literally the way that Genesis says that God created the world. I don't actually believe that. But I don't also think that somebody who does believe that is is wrong or bad, necessarily. I think that they've been formed in a tradition that is trying to do something with that story to, to, to try and form a certain kind of identity. And that's what, actually what I'm more interested in. Um... It's because what, what, what do we what do we think about when we think about create creation stories, right? We think about well, where did I come from? And this is always a very good question. How did how did everything get here? How did I get here? How did how did we how did things come to be? How did how did we get here? And that's a great, curious, awesome question. Um, but when there's this ready-made answer. Um, what what that is actually tending to do in the way that it's actually tending to function is it's is it in in terms of group dynamics and the way groups and and tribes and cultures and everything operate this is this is a marker a boundary marker to say that this is how you know who belongs to our group is we believe these things unlike those people who believe those things right it's a It's a marker to say. Um, this This is what we believe now as as far as Christians needing to believe that um, God created the world in a literal six days according to genesis um, that 's a pretty new belief in the history of the church uh, that um, again that's that 's something that started to happen probably about a hundred years ago give or give or take, and it mostly comes out of the United States and it comes out of um, it comes out of a notion of need of, of a lot of uh, Christians starting to feel like they weren't running the world anymore, right? Uh, out of a sense that history is progressing, we're not allowed to own slaves anymore, and all kinds of garbage beliefs that Christians have had. And, and there's, there's people who are starting to believe that we... Uh, that the, the theory of Charles Darwin of evolution—that we didn't actually all come from one common ancestor, Adam and Eve in the garden—and and 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 it's not—and so so there's this there's this doubling down on this creation story, and it's mostly a function actually of we want to be the only ones who are allowed to tell the story of the way things are, right? We, we want to be in control. and so But that's the way creation stories have mostly functioned. If you examine creation stories throughout history, now every, every culture uh, has creation stories, right? Because creation stories are actually never really about um, where we came from. It's just like history isn't about what happened in history. History is always, and, and creation stories, which are really kind of a, attempted form of history just way further back, it's saying, how did we get here? What should we be, right? What kind of people should we be? Who are we? Why are things the way that they are? And actually, if you look at creation stories throughout history, from, from all, all cultures, all, all religions and everything, what creation stories tend to do functionally is to support the way that things are. There, there's almost always a direct line where, where, where the God or whatever of these stories uh, supports whoever actually happens to be uh, the current ruler, the current king or queen or government or, or what have you, to say that there's a direct line from the way that things came into being and the ruler of the ruler of everything to the ruler of everything that we can actually see. And so in Egypt, you had, you had the sun god, Ra, right? You have this whole creation story that I, I read so many creation stories in preparation for this that I've lost track of what that one actually says. But if you read these ancient uh, creation stories there, it's very fascinating, because almost always almost always it's not about where everything came from exactly, because usually there's some like older ancient gods who are kind of horrific and terrible, and then there's some newer upstart gods that say that the older gods were evil and oppressive and horrible, and so they kill those older gods. And usually there's something that happens where one of these older gods gets like literally torn apart, and from their body, everything that is gets made, the whole world and the whole creation. So that's, that's actually the pretty typical like, creation story that happens in these, in these ancient cultures that would have been the case when, when uh, the Genesis account was written. Um, and so that that's actually the one. And so most most biblical scholars believe that that Genesis chapter one was written uh, by the the Judeans when they were taken into captivity in Babylon, right? So you'd had you had the ancient um, nation of Judah, right? So you had David and Solomon, and then the mostly bad kings, and then a couple of good kings, and and mostly bad kings. And the prophets spoke judgment against them, and eventually they got conquered, they got taken away into captivity. And they got taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And this was about 600 BC. And up until that point, um, up until the, that point, the Jews and their worship of the god they called Yahweh, right, the the, the one that spoke to Moses in the burning bush, their, their, their religion tended to operate pretty similarly to the religious systems of everyone around them, right? They're they 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 didn't believe in just one god at that time. They believed that Yahweh was the god of gods, the the, the one at the top of the gods. That's why that's why in ex that's why in the, the the commandments, the first commandment is, "You shall have no other gods before me." Not there are no other gods. Just I'm number one. Um, and so that's so that's the that's the ancient religion of of Judah. And so there was this notion in the ancient world that gods. Right, that that whatever God was the God of our people created everything that is, and is directly represented on earth by the king and by the priests and the whole the whole thing and the temple and the sacrifices. All cultures, pretty much, especially in the ancient Near East, the Jews found themselves around. They all, they all did a fairly similar thing. And so, what's what's really interesting about the the, the creation story in Genesis. Is it's written in this context. So they get conquered, they get taken away into captivity, and normally when that happens, you just accept that your god lost to these other gods, right? So, so Marduk, the god of Babylon, conquered Yahweh, our god, and so now we'll worship Marduk because we've been taken away into captivity in Babylon. We'll still worship Yahweh, but he's like he got knocked down a peg. He's 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 a lesser god because he lost. We lost. Clearly, our God is not mighty, and so there was this notion in the ancient world that your your divinity was very much tied to um, to, to, to military might and who, who to power. And so again, you have this whole thing; it's always tied to power, to political power, to who rules. And so the Babylonian myth was that in, in the beginning that Marduk killed his basically god grandma named Tiamat, and she's She's this god of the sea, and there's this notion of her as kind of like a sea monster, right? A very terrifying thing in, in, in those ancient days. And, and that he killed her and he tore her body apart and made everything that is from her body, right? And so that's, and so uh, stylistically, um, the Genesis myth has a few like, like stylistic similarities to that. But what's, what's interesting, particularly about the Jews, is they didn't stop worshiping their god. And they wouldn't really start worshipping Marduk. But then if, if, God, if our God, who we still believe in, is no longer the God who wins, who's, there's a direct line from, from our God to who's in charge today, then we have to tell a bit of a different kind of story here, don't we? And so that's what's actually what's interesting about the Genesis story, is it's actually a brilliant piece of political subversion in, in its day and in its age and in its context. So normally, the normal thing for for the Jews to have done was to stop worshipping their god, to consider that their god was now a lesser god, that Marduk, the Babylonian god, was a greater god, and that Yahweh, their god, was a lesser god. That would have been the normal thing to do in that worldview. And so, instead what happens is they start to tell a different kind of story about the way that everything came into being. They start to tell a story that basically is nonviolent, and this is the first time that that's ever happened in history. It's a creation story that's almost completely nonviolent. There's still little hints and traces because the this notion, this notion of in the beginning, right? So let's let's crack open the beast here. Um, so Genesis chapter one. It says, In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. So there's this notion that there's still something sort of going on here. There's something, like there's almost, it's, we're about to talk about God creating everything, but it's kind of like there's something there and it's a bit chaotic. And so there's still some notion of maybe that chaos in the back of their mind, maybe everything came from some kind of conflict some kind of violence as they're writing this but for the most part it's very subdued compared to literally ripping a goddess apart and making all matter from that that's that's pretty explicitly violent but then here then in the next verse then god said let there be light and there was light and so these other gods they create through war <laughs> because that's how we create our nation is through war. And I mean, it's like, and of course, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? You know, whenever, whenever, whenever nations need, need a little bit of unity, it's good to declare war on somebody. That's, that's the way we create our identity. Um, but, but so here in Genesis, and that's why this is a brilliant piece of subversion, because the Jews should have stopped worshiping their God, but they didn't. They said, but then there has to not be this like, direct through line from the way that God created everything and the way that things are today. God must not have created through war and battle just like all the other gods. Our God is right now in the eyes of everybody. Our God is a loser God. We lost, we're in captivity, our nation fell. So our God, there must actually be something in creation that's different from the way that the world is today. So, our God, we're going to say that our God speaks forth the world creatively. And then, subversively, the, I mean, the brilliant thing here is let there be light. Well, what? So, therefore, again, light is something that comes from God, right? And then, of course, then later he creates, you know, which, which was the days? Uh, one place, dry right land. Da-da-da-da-da. Ah, yeah, so, and then and then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for the signs and the seasons. Um, and so God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Well, what what they're again saying here is, well, what most cultures worship, most cultures have like a sun god, maybe a moon god. They're saying, our God created your God. Even though our God's a loser God, our God created your gods to the cultures around them. They're saying our god created the thing that you worship, right? And so they so it's this from from a crushed and oppressed people. This is actually a brilliant piece of uh, subversive politics, actual like political theology. Saying our god created your god, and it doesn't make any sense unless you're on the inside of this thing. And then and then later it talks about how uh, God created the stuff in the water, including the Leviathan of the deep. Again, referencing referencing the Babylonian god, uh, Tiamat, who was torn apart by her grandson to make everything. Again, our god created the stuff that you think of as the creation of the world. And so this is this is very interesting because this is the introduction of the idea. This is the beginnings of the Jews coming to realize that however... They are going to worship their God. There's no direct line between the way that things are and the way things came to be. There's this interruption in there. Something's come in between the way that things should be and the way that things are. There's an interruption there because God didn't just make clearly didn't make us into 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 now slaves in babylon right captives in babylon god didn't make us that way so something else is happening here in history and so that's interesting and and so this is this is the beginning of a whole long process actually here through through the old testament through the hebrew scriptures of moving away from worshipping Yahweh as just one of the gods, the greatest god of the gods, to actually a pure monotheism, because that that starts to come in in and around the time they're in Babylonian captivity, that that not only is our god the great god of all gods, uh, actually not at all, because of course our god lost in that whole contest, we were defeated, but rather our god is the only god. And everybody else is worshipping a false god, gods that don't even exist, right? So they're having some kind of experience here, a transforming experience of their god in whatever forms of, like, prayer and experience and community life that they're having. They're having a very different experience of god here, a god that where you're calling into question that, is this god involved in ruling the world directly through kings and queens? Is this God involved with all the violence that we are always involved with? And they're starting to have second thoughts about that. And so this is, this is where, as, as, as much as some of the way I'm talking here about the Bible and how it was developed in its context makes it sound like I don't believe in the Bible, I believe in it all the more because I see that this is actually a, a, a narrative that's coming through the Old Testament, a decreasing of God being involved with violence And there being a direct connection between how things came into being and the way that things are today, that that God upholds the order that we see in the world, but rather that God is somehow different than the order we see in the world, the order we see in the world being so involved with violence and death and rape and torture and oppression, all the gods of history. and of course for most of history even the christian god of christendom have been upholding of these systems of domination right but what you see here throughout the scriptures is the beginnings of starting to think of god differently and of course the the the, we we see this primarily in 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 jesus right he comes along in this context where the jews have gotten themselves conquered again they came back out of babylon they uh but but they were always they were always ruled by another nation, except for a brief time where they where where they had a rebellion against the Greeks. But then they got conquered again by the Romans, and and so in the time of Jesus, they've been basically living under the domination of some nation or another for the last six hundred years. By the time Jesus comes along, and so they've gotten pr- pretty used to, um, you know worshiping their god as a minority people as as a group of oppressed people um they've gotten pretty used to that um but by the time jesus comes along everyone you know they they think they've got it all figured out because they've got the law they've they've got this collection they've got this these books and they've got the law and the prophets and so jesus comes along and he starts to tell some very different stories that unsettled their notions of what was right and what was wrong and and so he, and so, what's what's brilliant? And and so again, like tying this into the notion of creation, right? That the, like for Christians, we believe that Jesus was was God also was, but was also fully God, fully man, and and that you know Jesus says, "I have come to reveal the Father to you. That if you want to know what God is like, you should look at Jesus." That he came once and for all to demonstrate the kind of God that the God he calls his Father is. And and what you see, of course, in Jesus is the, is the ultimate God who is not involved with violence, who is not involved with domination. No, he, Jesus goes immediately to all of the people who are excluded, oppressed, dominated, uh, the the wrong people, the incorrect people to hang out with. He hangs out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. Um, he doesn't he doesn't fast when he's supposed to, like a good observant Jew. Um, he doesn't do lots of things that he's like he he actually breaks the Jewish law in in several places. And so he's not a good Jew, but yet he's good in a way that people follow him and trust him. And, and go after him. But they don't get him because he's just not not involved with the world in in a way that anybody's used to, right? Because and so the way the way he lived his life exposed all of these all of these ways in which we uh, get get ourselves involved in forming identity, right, by saying who or not. How do I know I'm good? Well I'm not in prison. <laughs> right how do i know how do i know that i'm sane well i'm not in a, in, a, in a mental health institution right how do i you know and and so this is this is the ways that jesus like comes and radically loves people uh in in, in a way that's completely different and so much so, like, crossing all these boundaries, crossing all these lines, really, like, upsetting the authorities to the point where they have to put him to death, right? Because he's unsettling all of the ways, again, in which the way that things are, and this, this ties again back to all of the creation stories we generally tell ourselves looking backwards are used to justify the way things are, used to justify, like, these casual oppressions, that we have today, right? Um, like, if you talk, if you talk in any way, ab- if you talk in any way about, say, the plight of our indigenous population to any politician, you will get story after story about, well, we just have to do this, we just have to, right? Because it's the right thing to do. Look how bad they are without us. Look what they're getting up to. It's all these kinds of stories that we tell to justify, right, to say that this is the way things have to be. And so so Jesus came, and he lived in a way that he hung out with all the wrong people and fully modeling the love of the Father, and so they killed him for it. But but the interesting thing is he—the interesting thing, especially here in in some of these accounts and all— of of especially that the cross and the resurrection is for the Christian the, the culmination actually of almost a rewinding and then a bursting forth of creation and so this is this is something I learned recently that I want to share because it's like super cool or at least I think so but I'm also somebody who like nerds out on this stuff um, but so here here in Luke. Uh, here in Luke, where, where where Jesus is sentenced to death, and so he goes to death, and so the the gospel writers were very biblically literate people, right? Like like most of most of the people in this day and age, they would have had they would have had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They would have had this probably committed to memory, particularly anybody who was like literate enough to actually write one of these gospels. They would have just been versed in this. Uh writing and copying was very expensive, right? So you just memorize things because you would have like maybe one scroll in your whole village. Right? It's like hard to imagine living in that world. And so, and so Jesus is Jesus is hanging on the cross and he's got the thieves beside him. This is uh Luke 23. Um Verse 39, says, One of the criminals who was hanging there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly for what we are getting, and we deserve what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, paradise, this is, this is starting to wind back. Creation, actually, paradise is, is an allusion here to the Garden of Eden, so we're going back. We're going back in time. And then, right after this says, it Now it was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed. So we're going back. We're going back to the time before there was sun. We're going back into the darkness, back into this early moment of creation. And then... And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, right? And so in the Jewish conception, right, the 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 veil in the temple separated the Holy of Holies, which is was the very presence of God, right? They were so terrified to go in there that when the high priest went in there once a year they would tie a rope around his ankle so that they could pull him out if he dropped dead in the presence of God, because they believed that, that that would happen. And so and so so, again, it's saying that the, 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 the veil was torn. And so, so again, you're, you're going back to this time before there was a distinction between the creator and the created. You're going back into this melding and this connection, and you're going back and you're going back. And then, having, then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last right and so again so now breath is also the same word in hebrew ruach is spirit and so now you're right back to the beginning of genesis the spirit hovered over the face of the deep right and so so it's this winding back of creation right it's this winding back to right back to the beginning and what it's saying so so what the gospel writers here are doing and we don't we we don't get these things quickly because we're not Jews and we don't have the whole Bible memorized. So we don't, we don't get these things as quickly. But what they got here is it's saying this is winding down creation. This is winding it back up to the beginning. And here what we are seeing in the cross is Jesus, who is God incarnate, also is here doing the ultimate creative act, which is saying... That there is this love poured out to death, unconcerned with death, unconcerned with all of the things, loving in the kinds of ways that would get you killed. So much to the so much to the point that he went there freely, didn't even defend himself in court, and then gave up his spirit, and then was but then of course came back because for God forgot and came back and was resurrected three days later because what, what this is saying is in the new creation, in the creation that God is now starting to bring into our midst, the kingdom of God that is starting to break in among you, that there is a new creation that is starting to happen that is not so concerned with death, that is full of love, that is not involved with violence, our violence that we do. Um, we do violence to each other. We did violence to to God Himself, when we hung Him on a cross, and 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 I think when we when we read these story these stories of Jesus' crucifixion, we're supposed to like if if we if we believe that we wouldn't have been right there in the crowd with the crowd saying crucify Him, crucify Him, then I, I think we're mistaken because I think we would have been, or at least I know I would have been, and and so but but so so what you're having here is a new creation story, and so you, you can actually read John. And, and there's some similar things going on in John in a different mode because John writes differently than Luke does. But what the gospel writers here are doing is saying there's a new creation that's starting. And, if, and of course you see this, you're a new creation in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. There's something new breaking into history here in Jesus, that finally once and for all there's a God who is revealed, who is not involved with violence. So much to the point that this God, unlike all these other gods, were are doing battle and slaying each other and ripping gods apart... This God puts himself into our hands and lets us uh, kill him, and is so full of life that even that can't hold him down that he that he that he rises from the grave and and so this is the, the kind of life that, that that we are starting to get to be invited into again the kind of life that um, that is so filled with with Love, in a way that is unconcerned with consequences, that is not afraid of death, um, that this is this is a form of new creation. And it's an orientation then, right? It's not a and so there's this radical shift because what we've seen in this older mode of creation stories is older in the past, justifying the way that things are, right? Saying that this connects to the way that things are, these older creation stories, and that there's almost this notion in these creation stories too, and the people who really get involved with them that the more things change, the worse things get. Right? We're falling away. There was a fall. There's a moving away. Back in the old days, things were better. Right? But things are getting worse. Right? And and so in a, in a Christian mode, it would be like. Gay people aren't ashamed anymore because <laughs> we're not running the world anymore. Um, thing, things like this. And, but, but what you see here in Jesus is this radical pointing forwards, saying, no, I haven't been involved in making the world this way. You have been. You're the ones who kill and oppress and murder each other, exclude each other. I came to bring in everybody that 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 there that once and for all in Jesus and the example he gave in his life that there was no separation, he hung out with everybody, loved everybody, had time for everybody and and then now in in the in this in this new life that this new creation that he's starting to bring about. That there's this possibility to live in this kind of a way, this possibility to live in a way that accepts everybody, that doesn't require somebody first to be good, to be accepted in our group, right? That there's this radical kind of inclusion, this this radical not being concerned with who's good or who's bad, just loving everybody. And... And, and accepting everybody, not not needing somebody to be good or perfect or or what what not first. And so the church, of course, throughout history, has mostly missed the boat on this because we we like to say that and because what what you see here is a kind of goodness that is received, right, that is received from Jesus, a kind of creative energy, to start to, well, what, what, what did Jesus do in his ministry? Well, he, he exposed, right, the injustices, the casual injustices embedded in the way that things actually are, right, and creatively undermined them with, uh, for, for particularly for Jesus, with uh, creative stories he called parables, right? So he told all these stories that were very radically subversive. And so that was his particular art form, and so that's, that's the particularly fascinating thing here is it's a connection of this bursting forth of creation, a new creation, a love that expresses itself in his life through creativity, through telling these very subversive stories, very creative, subversive stories, um, and also through creative acts, right? Just by, just by the very act of going to dinner with a prostitute or get, going to dinner with a tax collector, the wrong kind of people, these were just creative acts that he was doing. And, and so I see, I see a connection because here you're starting to shift your mind to not say creation is about the way that things are and trying to get back to some kind of notion that things used to be better. But creation is this freeing and unfolding of things can be more just, things can be more inclusive, things can be better than they are. It's this moving forward and this 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 liberation then of the imagination, and so this is why this is why creativity is so important. we see in Jesus here, because what how how do we start to imagine this different world well, whenever I know certainly for me whenever i 've started to imagine the world that is a different kind of world that that mostly for me comes through. I mean, I love, I love reading like fantasy books because it's a way to do that, but through musicians particularly, and, and you've seen this operating in history, like, like the, the anti-Vietnam protesters in the United States, right? A lot of that came through music, through protest songs, and so, um, and so the arts plays actually an incredibly critical role in this in, in starting to imagine a different kind of world where these divisions between us aren't there and, and Jesus has like inaugurated this new kind of creation, and we get to participate in it almost, almost kind of gleefully, almost with a like undermining kind, kind of, kind of thing of the way that things are. Imagining a world that is better, that is different, uh, a world in which um, you know violence and power and money and whiteness doesn't rule the world anymore, right? Um, so, yeah, so I had, I had lots of other places I could have gone with that, but like that's, that's kind of like the core of it, what I'm seeing here, that, that, that a notion of creation shouldn't be a looking back, but a looking forward, a participating in this, uh, creative, loving, including energy of God that we see here in Jesus. And you start to see throughout the scriptures here this notion of a different kind of God, a God who includes. Yeah. So. That.